Alright, turn with me in your Bibles, please, to 1 Samuel. And we're going to chapter 29. 1 Samuel chapter 29. First Samuel chapter 29 and uh, we'll just read the first two verses before we open up in a word of prayer. It says, Now the Philistines gathered together all their armies to Aphek, and the Israelites pitched by a fountain which is in Jezreel. And the lords of the Philistines passed on by hundreds and by thousands, but David and his men passed on in the rearwood with Achish. Let's just open up in a word of prayer before we have a look at this chapter tonight. Heavenly Father, we do indeed thank you for this night, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity we've got to come to your house again, Lord, and that we can study out uh, this next part of um, the book of the first Samuel, Lord. We do pray that, um, Lord, you would just give me wisdom tonight, Lord. Pray that you'd calm my nerves, and um, Lord, may your word just um, go forth in your power tonight, and um, Lord, may it just be used of your glory to um, be a blessing and a challenge to all of us here, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. been a little while since I've preached but we're going to continue on in our, my series on 1st Samuel we're up to chapter 29 now we're going to look at the whole of chapter 29 as I start off I'd like to read you a quote um, that was said by an unknown author and I'm sure a lot of people here have probably heard this quote before but it says oh, I'm not sure who wrote it but it says sin will take you further than you want to go keep you longer than you want to stay and cost you more than you want to pay I'm sure a lot of people have heard that quote before, but this was certainly the case in David's life in this chapter. You know, over the few chapters previously to this, we've seen David is now in his life, sadly, heading down a path of sin. And we've seen consequences of that sin and how it affected him, and not just him, but how it affected other people around as well. Unfortunately, though, David is still on this slippery slope of sin. And for him, this quote is very true. His sin has now taken him further than he ever wanted to go. It kept him longer than he ever wanted to stay. cost him more than he wanted to pay. And now in this chapter, it was going to cost him even more than what it had already cost him. David, like I said, already suffered for his sin, but it was going to cost him even more now. And I also look into this chapter at where David's sin had taken him and what it cost him now. And hopefully... We can learn a lesson from David's mistake. So first of all, I want, to look, I want us to look at where his sin took him. And this is what we read in verses 1 to 2. We'll read these verses again in chapter 29 of 1 Samuel. It says, Now the Philistines gathered together all their armies to Aphek, and the Israelites pitched by a fountain which is in Jezreel. And the lords of the Philistines passed on by hundreds and by thousands. But David and his men passed on in the rearwood with Achish. Now, in this, in this passage, what's happening here is the Philistines have gathered all of their armies together to fight against Israel. There's no surprise there. Israel and Philistines have been um, enemies for many, many years, and they've come together to fight again now. And we briefly looked at this at the start of the last chapter, chapter 28, because in chapter 28, Saul has come with the Israelite army, and he's looked across and seen the Philistine army, and he's filled with terror and filled with fear, and that's when he goes and consults um, the witch that we looked at in chapter 28. Um, 
So the, the two armies have come together, the Philistines and Israel, is ready for battle. But there's something wrong in the Philistine army. Something's not right here. The Philistine army get into their formation for battle, which we read is arranged in hundreds and thousands. It says in verse 2, And the lords of the Philistines passed on by hundreds and by thousands. Now apparently what they used to do, this is actually something that the Israelites did as well, according to a lot of the commentators, they would organise their army when they went to battle in groups of hundreds, which would then form groups of thousands. So they'd have ten groups of hundreds over here, which would form a thousand, and they'd have a ruler in charge of them or a prince in charge of them to take them to battle, and then another set of hundreds here and here, and however many they had to form their army. And that's how they got their army set up, ready for battle. And it seems like in these verses that maybe the army is, they're in their formation ready to fight, and they're probably parading before the princes of the, of the Philistines, which... From um, other, ch other passages back earlier in the Bible and things, we know there's five princes um, of the Philistines. So they get their army ready, ready to fight, but something wasn't right. At the rear of the army was the king of Gath, Achish, which is nothing unusual there. The king formed at the, end of the, um, at the rear of the army. He was there ready to fight, but he sort of went behind everyone for protection. And he had his own little army as his personal protection, his royal guard but they weren't Philistines. They were Hebrews, and in fact, it's David and his 600 men. They had become Achish's royal guard. That's what it says in verse 2, and the lords of the Philistines passed on by hundreds and by thousands, but David and his men passed on in the rear with Achish. David and his men were in formation with the Philistines, the enemies of God and the enemies of Israel, getting ready to march against Israel and fight against them as Achish, the king of Gath, one of the kings in Philistine, as his personal royal bodyguards. This definitely wasn't right. David and his men were in a very awkward and wrong situation here. But how did they get into such a mess? David really fallen so far in his sin that he wanted to fight against Israel? Had David really come so far in that he wanted to join the Philistine army and go into battle against his own people? I don't believe so. You may not remember the sermon that I preached from chapter 27 because it was some time ago, but I'll quickly give you a bit of an overbrief of chapter 27 because the end of chapter 27 and start of chapter 28 is leading straight into chapter 29. Chapter 28 is where Saul sees the army, goes and visits the witch because he's afraid so chapter 28 is a bit of a side note. We go straight from 27 to chapter 29. And just very quickly, in chapter 27, David was discouraged because he'd been on the run from King Saul for a long time now. And we've seen that he was probably on the run for seven to eight years, running for his life and hiding everywhere he hid. Israelites dobbed him in or other people dobbed him in and King Saul kept on trying to come and kill him. David got to the point in his life where he was so discouraged, he honestly, genuinely believed that Saul was going to kill him and he forgot about God. Sadly, he failed to trust God and instead decided he'd be better off to go to the land of the Philistines and hide amongst them. And he does. This is where David really started heading down this path of sin that he was on. While he was in the land of the Philistines, he gained the trust of the Philistine king, Achish, which is the one that we're reading about here. King da uh, David, not King David, sorry, he's not king yet, but David... He was given um, in Philistine a city of his own. After a while of being uh, becoming loyal to King Achish, King Achish asked David if there's anything you can do, and David says, I want a place of my own. 
and he actually gives David, his men, and their families their own city called Ziklag. Him and his family and his army went there. David's discouragement and lack of trust in that chapter led to more and more sin. He started heading further down the path of sin than he ever wanted to go. It was already taking him further than he planned. He was now living amongst the enemies of God. And he didn't stay there for some short time. He stayed there for a year and a half. You know, but David, even though he was so far down his path of sin already in chapter 27, he wasn't completely lost in his sin. We saw last time that he was secretly going out with his men, destroying the enemies of Israel. This is recorded for us right at the end of chapter 27. He's going out and he's fighting against the enemies of Israel, not necessarily the Philistines, but some of the other nations around that were their enemies. So he's not completely lost in his sin. But while he's fighting against the enemies of Israel, he makes King Akish believe he's fighting against the Israelites themselves. Have a look um, with me at the end of chapter 27. And verse, um, verse 10, we'll just start there. This is David's gone out um, on secret missions with his men, fighting the enemies of Israel. But then it says in verse 10, it says, And Akish said, Whither have you made a road today? So where have you gone to battle today, David? Akish says. And David said, Against the south of Judah and against the south of the Jeharmelites. Sorry. And against the south of the Kenites. And David saved neither man nor woman alive to bring tidings to Gath, saying, Lest they should tell on us, saying, So did David, and so will be his manner all the while he dwelleth in the country of the Philistines. And Achish believed David, saying, He had made his people Israel to utterly abhor him. Therefore he shall be my servant forever. So David in his secret missions goes and annihilates every, everybody. He doesn't leave anybody alive because otherwise they can go and tell King Achish, No, this guy's not really on our side. He's actually fighting against us. He's fighting for Israel still. And he's going to keep on doing that while he's living amongst us. So David's not completely gone in his sin. Okay, He's still fighting for Israel secretly while he's making Akish think that he's fighting against Israel. And his deception, as wrong as it is, works. Because it says in verse 12, And Akish believed David, saying he had made his people Israel utterly um, to abhor him. He said, David is one of us. His people hate him now. Israel hate him now for what he's done. Therefore, he shall be my servant forever. You know, and then David was put into a hard place. At the start of chapter 28, we, read, uh, we learned about this last time we preached as well, but it says, And it came to pass in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together to warfare, to fight against Israel. So this is leading into chapter 29. They're gathering together to fight. And Achish said unto David, Know thou surely that thou shalt go with me to battle, thou and thy men. And David said to Achish, Surely thou shalt know what thy servant can do. And Achish said to David, Therefore will I make thee keeper of mine head forever. We saw when we were in chapter 27 that David now was put into a very hard situation. His unfaithfulness in God, lack of trust in God, his deception, his lies, everything else that he'd done on this path of sin that he was heading down now led to this very situation where the Philistine army was getting ready to fight against the Israelites and King Achish comes to David and he says, David, you've been so loyal to me. And I know the Israelites hate you. I know you've been going and fighting against the Israelites for us. You know, you're going to be great, David, and I want you to be the head of my personal guard. I want you to be my chief bodyguard, David. I want you to come and fight with me in battle. That's what King Achish has said to him in the first couple of verses of chapter 28. And it left David with not much choice. 
had David said to King Achish, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to come and fight with you. It would have really revealed where David was at, that he wasn't actually fighting with the Philistines. And then his punishment, A, would have either been put to death or B, would have been banished from the land of the Philistines where he's back on the run from King Saul. Given that he'd forgotten about God and forgotten to trust in God, he felt like he had no choice and agreed to become Achish's royal bodyguard, probably hoping that it wouldn't come as far as battle. But it did. See, but because David was secretly fighting against the Israelites, I don't believe he wanted to be in the situation he's in. I believe he was probably hoping that it wouldn't come to the war that was uh, being predicted and that he would be somehow saved and delivered from this before it actually happened. He could only play along and hope for some sort of deliverance because he was in such a mess. He didn't know how to get out of it. You know, it's sad though that David, the man after God's own heart, had come so far in his sin that he was now marching with the enemy of God's chosen people ready to fight against them, against the Israelites. How could this be the same man? How can this be the same man that had so much faith in God? He stood up to Goliath, the giant of the Philistines. You know, think about this. Goliath himself came from Gath in Philistines. This is where David has been abiding this whole time. This is where King Achish is from. He's from Gath. David, once in the past, slayed their giant because he defied David's living God. This man had so much faith once upon a time that a giant was not going to stand in his way because he defied the living God. How can this be the same man? Well, it's quite easy. He's human. He makes mistakes and he falls into sin just like we do. You know, brethren, praise God that things like this are in the Bible. Praise God that we see this side of David. Oftentimes in our children's stories and stuff like that, we see about David, how he slayed the lion and the bear, and we see how he killed Goliath and everything else great that he did. But oftentimes we don't see the sides of the people in the Bible like this. The times when they fall and they fail. And you know what? If we were only told the good times in David's life, we were only told the good times of all the other great men in the Bible and women in the Bible, we would think to ourselves, God can't use me. How can God use a sinner like me to do great things like David did? If we weren't told of all these shortcomings and we thought, that man's a perfect man. There's nothing with him in the Bible. He must have been a great super Christian because he, he doesn't do anything wrong. We would think to ourselves, God can't use me. God can't use a sinner like me to do his will. But praise God, things like this are recorded for us to know that David is one of us. We are like David. David fell, David stumbled, David's in so much sin that he's marching against God's people to fight against them. Beloved, we are all sinners. We all fall, we all stumble, but praise God, we have a merciful and forgiving God. Even though we are not perfect and we fail, God does and can still use us. Have a look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4, I want to read verse 7. Second Corinthians 4, 7 says, actually we'll read verse 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels 
that the excellency of the power may be of God and not us. Those verses there are telling us, particularly in verse 7, it's saying, we have the treasure of God inside us and we are earthen vessels. Earthen vessels means that we are fragile, we, are, we, we break, we crack, we, we fall, we stumble, we sin. We're not perfect, we're earthen vessels. But why does God use people like us who are sinners? And the verse 7 tells us, so that he may get the glory. So the power may be shown through God. It's God's power, it's not our power. If David was seen as an upright, perfect man, everything great that he did, people would be able to say, oh, it's just David, David's a great man. When we see David fail in his life and fall in sin, just like we do, we realize he is an earthen vessel like us. It is God's power that works through him. And it's God's power that works through us. So praise God that we've got a forgiving, gracious and loving God who's merciful to us. Even though we're sinners like David, we're earthen vessels, he can and does still use us. Where David is at the moment, this far down in the path of sin, God can't use him here. God's going to have to deliver David from this mess first before he can use him again. Same is with us. If we're down a path of sin, God needs to deliver us from that first before he can use us. But praise God, he doesn't rule us out. He does forgive us and he can still use us. You know, David's sin took him much further than he wanted him to go. Led him to a place he thought he'd never be in. Have a look with me quickly in Psalms chapter 26. Psalms chapter 26. We're going to read verse 5. Now this psalm is believed to be written while David is on the run from King Saul before he's fled to the Philistines. Have a look at what he says in verse 6. This is prior to when he's gone to the Philistines. Verse 6 says in chapter 26, I will wash my hands in innocency. Oh, hang on, sorry, not verse 6, verse 5. Um, I have hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. This is what David said before he went to the land of Philistines. I have hated the congregation of evildoers. I will not sit with the wicked. He's not just sitting, he's marching with the wicked. David has come so far in his sin, he's come to a place he would have thought he would never get to. You know, I imagine that David at this time, he'd be thinking to himself, how did it come this far? How did I end up in such a mess? I never intended it to go this far. You know, his lack of trust in God, discouragement, deception and lies taking him further down the path of sin than he ever wanted to go. And now he didn't know how to get out. And that's where sin will take us to. Undealt with sin always leads to more sin. There's a saying, sin begets sin. And that's what happens. Sin creates more sin. And like David, we will end up in a situation we don't want to be in, thinking, how do we get out of here? How did we get here if we don't deal with our sin? How do we stop that from happening? Well, I'm sure we know the answer to that. We keep a short account with God. By confessing our sins, keeping our fellowship with God sweet. You know, God doesn't want us to head down a path of sin and he will call us back. Just like he was about to with David, but we need to listen. Beloved, don't go travelling down a path of sin like what David did or you'll end up being taken further than you wanted to go. You know, David's sin was also going to cost him more than he wanted to pay, which is what I, what I 
what I want us to look at secondly, what his sin cost him. You know, at this time of desperation, David should have turned back to God, should turn to God for help just like we should if we find ourselves tumbling down the same path of sin. But unfortunately, he doesn't. And now it was going to cost him more than he wanted to pay. Now, by God's grace, like I said, God is going to deliver David from the mess he is in. But his wickedness didn't go unpunished. Don't, don't get this wrong that David, somehow he's gotten out of this scot-free, even though he didn't call out to God for help when he should have. He's, his sin's already been punished. He's already suffered for it. And there's going to be more consequences for it. There's going to be a consequence now and there's still going to be more to come in the next chapter as well. Notice with me in this chapter who it is that notices the problem with David's life. Who it is that points out his sin. Let's read on in verse 3 in this chapter. It says, Then said the princes of the Philistines, What do these Hebrews hear? And Achish said unto the princes of the Philistines, Is not this David, the servant of the, the, servant of the king of Israel, which have been with me these days or these years, and I found no fault in him since he found to me this day. God uses Philistine princes to point out David's mistake. He uses the ungodly sinners who worship false gods and defy the living God. God used them to point out David's sin. The princes of the Philistines look at the army formation and they're very pleased as the army's marching past or, or just standing there. They're very happy to see the army that's about to go and attack Israel until they get to the back. When they see at the back, they see King Akish there with his army and his bodyguards and that's all fine until they notice who they are. They notice that they're Hebrews. And then they think, what are these Hebrews doing here? They don't belong here. They knew there was something wrong with this picture. They were about to go and fight against the Hebrews, against the Israelites. They shouldn't have had any Hebrews in their army, but they did. And these ungodly Philistines could see there was a problem with this picture. They could see David's sin immediately. And then Akish defends David. That's what we read in verse 3. He says, and Achish said unto the princes of the Philistines, Is not this David the servant of Saul, the king of Israel, which have been with me these days or these years? And I have found no fault in him since he fell unto me this day. Achish defends him. You know, and this is where sin cost David more than he wanted to pay. His sin was now costing him his testimony. Achish says, This is David, the, the servant of Saul, king of Israel. Everybody in the land must have heard about this David who was the servant of Saul, this great David that they've heard about in battles who was now hiding amongst the Philistines for refuge. Everyone would have heard about this great David. And then Achish gives David a glowing report. David had been in the land of the Philistines, like we said, for a year and a half now. And Achish says, During that time he's found no fault in him since he fell unto him that day. The word fell unto me this day in verse 3. Fell means defected so so from the time david defected to the philistine army that's how um convinced akish is that david's on their side he thinks david's defected to the philistine army now let's get one thing clear here akish is not giving a glowing report of david's grace and kind heartedness and his sinless lifestyle and how much of an upstanding citizen he is that's not the type of glowing report he's giving the philistine princes don't care couldn't care less about that sort of stuff with david what they're worried about is David double-crossing them. Have a look in verse 4 to 5, what the princes are worried about. And the princes of the Philistines were wroth with him. They were angry with Achish. And the princes of the Philistines said unto him, Make this fellow return, 
that he may go again to his place which thou, thou hast appointed him. And let him not go down with us to battle, lest in the battle he be an adversary to us. For whither should he reconcile himself to his master? Should it not be with the heads of these men? Is not this David of whom they sang one to another in dances, saying, Paul slew his thousands and David his ten thousands? They were very wroth with Achish. These princes were angry with him, being so foolish. They ordered him to send David back home at once. They wouldn't let David fight with them, lest he be an adversary to them, lest he be a thorn in their side, lest David turn against them and betray the Philistine army in the battle. That's what they were worried about. They say to Achish, they say, what's the best way for David, who's on the run for King Saul, to reconcile himself to King Saul, to get back into the graces of King Saul, get into his good books. They say, what's the best way for him to do that? With the heads of our men. That's what they say in the end of verse 4. It says, um, wherewith should he reconcile himself unto his master? So reconcile himself unto Saul. Should it not be with the heads of these men? They say, Kish, how foolish are you? They get angry with them and said, you can't bring David into our army. They're not worried about David being an upstanding citizen or anything like that. They're worried about David turning against them, slaying their own armies, sending their heads to King Saul as a bit of a um, let's be friends again kind of message. They wants to, they're worried that he's going to use that to get back into Saul's good books. They continue in verse 5 saying, this is the man that the Israelites sang song about, saying Saul slays thousands, but David his ten thousands. You get a sense of their fear of David the warrior here how scared the Philistines actually were of David, warrior. So it wasn't really David, the warrior, that they were actually fearing. It was God controlling David, the warrior. But at this time, David's not being controlled by God. It shows you, though, how fearful they are of David. And David, he may have lost sight of his goal in life here. And David lost sight of who he was, but they didn't. The same is true with us. David was living among the ungodly and acting like them, and it was the ungodly who pointed out that he didn't belong there. People around us are watching us. The ungodly are watching us. They have an idea of how Christians should act, how we should talk, where we should go, where we shouldn't go, the things we should and shouldn't say or do. People around us have an idea of what to expect out of a Christian. How is our testimony? How is our testimony before those around us? Now, David had basically ruined his testimony. Not only had he come so far down a path of sin that God had to use the ungodly to steer him straight, he ruined his testimony before them in the process. These Philistine princes knew he didn't belong there, and they probably would have lost all respect for him as an Israelite and servant of God for trying to march with them and by def trying to defect to the Philistine army. You know, but Achish's view of David was even worse. Achish's view was a lot worse. David's testimony before Achish was completely gone. Have a look with me in verse 3 again and then down in verse 6. We'll just um, skip the first little bit of verse 3. It says, And Achish said unto the prince of the Philistines, Is not this David the servant of Saul, the king of Israel, which hath been with me these days or these years, and I have found no fault in him since he fell unto me this day. Verse 6. Then Achish called David and said unto him, Surely as the Lord liveth, thou hast been upright, and thy going out and thy coming in with me 
in the host is good in my sight. For I have not found evil in thee since the day of thy coming unto me, and stay. Nevertheless, the Lord's favour thee not. You know, Kish had nothing to praise for David. These verses, they sound pretty good. They sound pretty good. His review of David is great. And normally this would be a good thing, but not in this case. This was a bad thing for David. This is not like the story of Joseph, where God allowed Joseph to be as a slave to Egypt. And we all know the story. He goes to Egypt, and the whole time he's in Egypt, no matter what comes Joseph's way, he still trusts God and he's faithful to God. Even when he's thrown in prison, he's an upright person, faithfully relying on God. And because of that, he gets rewarded. Everybody has a good report of Joseph. If, if someone gave a character report of Joseph in Egypt in those days, it would have sounded like this. It would have been great. We don't, we don't see any evil in Joseph. He never complains or anything about his lot in life. He's an upstanding man. This wasn't the same situation. David has defected to the Philistines because he lacked in God. God didn't want him there. He has been deceitfully lying to Achish about killing Israelites when he wasn't in order to get Achish to believe he was loyal. Also, he could continue living in their land, hiding from Saul. These are very different situations. And like I mentioned earlier, this glowing report is about how faithful Achish believes David is to the Philistines. It's not really a glowing report of how good David is as a person. And how David never lies, he never steals, he's always good to me, I can rely on David. That's not the glowing report here. The glowing report that Akish is giving is how faithful he thinks David is to the Philistine army. How loyal he thinks he is to himself and how much the Israelites hate him. That's his glowing report is. Now how... Uh, it's not about how kind or sweet David is. As far as Akish knows, David has been fighting for them against Israel already. And that's not a good testimony to have. David completely lost his testimony with Akish. You know, to put it in a bit of a perspective for you and I, this is basically what would have... Imagine a co-worker or somebody else you know who's not a Christian, they're ungodly. Imagine an ungodly co-worker or someone else you know insisting to yourself or to somebody else that you're not a Christian because of how they've seen you live. That's, that's what's happening here. Akish is saying to these Philistine princes, no, you've got it wrong. David, they've got nothing to worry about David. He's not an Israelite anymore. I've seen how he lives. He's not an Israelite. He's one of us. He's gone and been fighting for us. David is a Philistine. That's what this glowing report is of David. How sad that this man who is a man after God's own heart, who had enough faith to kill the giant, like I said, now has the ungodly saying, he is one of us. It's exactly the same, brethren, as an ungodly person insisting we are not a Christian because of how we've lived our lives. God was sending David a big wake-up call. You know, ask yourselves with me this now, how is my testimony? How is your testimony? Do people around us know that we're Christians? Those that do know that we're Christians, do they see us as a Christian? Can they see Christ in us? Kids and teenagers, how's your testimony at school? Do people around you at school know that you're a Christian? God wants us to have a good testimony and David completely lost his. You know, an, a Christian with an ineffective testimony is an ineffective Christian. 
That's true. A, Christ, a Christian with an ineffective testimony is an ineffective Christian. And at the moment, David was a pretty ineffective Christian. How sad, like I said, that a man of faith like David now had to be reminded by the ungodly of who he was and where he should be. We'll just finish off the last verse in this chapter, or verse 7 to 8, it says, read verse 7 8, Wherefore now return and go in peace, that thou displease not the lords of the Philistines. Basically, Kish says, David, please just go. We don't want to upset the lords of the Philistines, and you don't want to upset them. This is what he thinks of David. He thinks he respects the Philistine lords. And David said unto Kish, But what have I done? And what hast thou found in thy servant, so long as I have been with thee unto this day, that I may that I may not go and fight against the enemies of my Lord, the King. Now in this verse here, it seems as if David is very upset that he can't actually go and fight against the Israelites. And he says, he says in, um, in that verse, he says at the end of verse 8, um, that I may not go and fight against the enemies of my Lord, the King. He says, why can't I go and fight against the Israelites? Now some people seem to think this proves that David is so far in his sin, he... he completely has forgotten who he was and he actually wants to fight against the Israelites but I don't believe that's the case like I said he was already fighting um, against the Israelites enemies things like that I believe it's just to keep up the charade he can't very well turn around to King Akish when Akish says David you're not allowed to fight with us the princes won't let us please go home he can't say whoopee I'm out of here and leave if he does that the gig's up and Akish will kick him out of Philistine or have him put to death David has to give the expected response of disappointment. So he pretends to be disappointed that he can't stay. But I believe that inside, David would have been very pleased and relieved that he was being delivered from the mess that he himself in. Have a look with me now in verses 9 to finish off the chapter. It says, And Akish answered and said to David, I know that thou art good in my sight as an angel of God. He says, it says in this, when he says an angel of God, Akish is saying, You've been such a blessing to me, David. How bad is his testimony at this time? Notwithstanding, the princes of Philistines have said, he shall not go with us to battle. So he lays the blame on the princes. Well, it was their, it was their fault that David couldn't go. Wherefore, now rise up early in the morning with thy master's servants that are come with thee, so with your 600 men in your army, and as soon as ye be up early in the morning and have light, depart. So David and his men rose up early to depart in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines. And the Philistines went up to Jezreel. Now in these verses we see Akish tells David he's got no choice, the princes won't let him fight and he must leave and go home. And we hear no further complaint or argument from David. Nothing at all. David is quite relieved to have been taken out of this mess that he got himself into. He packs up at first light, takes his stuff and leaves. But notice with me where David goes. Verse 11 says, So David and his men rose up early to depart in the morning, to return into the land of the Philistines. He is still not turned back to God. He should have listened to God and should have realized that God was calling him back, but he missed it. And because of this, there was going to be another more severe wake-up call coming. What was it going to take to get David to turn back to God? You know, when we wander down a path of sin, God wants to bring us back. At first... It may be a loving call. After that, it may be a gentle nudge. When this happens, we need to listen to God's voice and act upon it. If we don't, our sin will take us places we never wanted it to take us. 
It will keep us longer than we want to say and it will cost us more than we wanted to pay like it did with David. If we don't turn back, God's loving call, gentle nudge can turn into correction and chastisement. Eventually, even potentially death. Pastor Kendall preached not that long ago and reminded us again about it the other Sunday about how in the New Testament it talks about there is a sin on death. Love that's talking about if we get so far down this path of sin that we cannot bring ourselves back and we will not, no matter how many times God sends us a wake-up call, God may take us home. Have a look at King Saul. We, we know how King Saul ends up. But King Saul, he started off as a great king. He loved God. He followed God. He listened to Samuel the prophet's instruction. But pride got in the way. Other sins came in. He went down this track of sin. And time and time again, God called him back and called him back. And God's loving call and gentle nudges turned into slaps on the back of the And more and more until the point that, da- that Saul lost his kingdom. His children died. He lost his own life. God had enough of Saul's disobedience. Beloved, when we start heading down the path of sin and we hear God's loving call, turn back. Don't want me. Or like our quote says, it will take us further than we want to go, keep us longer than we want to stay and cost us more than we want to pay. Now I wonder also, how is your testimony? Does the ungodly have a higher expectation of how we should live than what we does God have to use the ungodly to point us in the right direction like he had to with David? You know, I pray our testimony is a positive one where others know we are Christians and they can see Christ in us. David made some pretty big mistakes in his life, like in this chapter. But let's learn from his mistakes. Let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this night again. We thank you for this next chapter in um, the life of David, Lord. And it's very sad to see such a um, faithful man to you in the place where he is, where sin's taken him so far, Lord, and cost him so much. But Lord, you know that this can happen to any of us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to remember this lesson that if we start getting entangled in sin, Lord, that we would listen for your loving call and we would come back before it gets worse. Lord, I pray you'd also help us to maintain a good testimony to those of us lord um, help us to be the kind of christians you want us to be where others can look at our lives and see um, christ in us not have to be steered in the right direction by the ungodly like david was lord we ask these things that would be true in our lives and we ask you to bless the rest of this night in jesus name amen Let's close this evening with 364.